Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today, we're talking about Thanksgiving and the glory of God. I got some hosts with me here, two at least, like two and a half, I guess, almost. I got Brent with me. Welcome back, brother. It's good to be here, Travis. Thank you for having me today. Matthew Jacobs is with me again. Welcome back, friend. It's good It's good to be back, my brother. Proof that an Alabama and Tennessee fan can be friends and can get past that. <laughs> beautiful beautiful rivalry and then uh, neil's kind of with us but we're not sure he's he's having some reception he may chime in and out all right uh we're going to talk here today about uh we our last episode was on halloween and we are facing another holiday just around the corner and that is thanksgiving that holiday of course is somewhat controversial in our culture today some see it as a holiday of opposition some don't we're not really going to get into the details of all that what we are going to deal with today, though, is building Thanksgiving and using that in the life of the church mm-hmm. to build a culture of Thanksgiving, why we should do that, and then how we can be missional with Thanksgivings. So let's just start out first and foremost and say, uh, when we kind of think about that rubric of reject, receive, redeem, uh, what are we looking at here when we look at that? at the cultural holiday of Thanksgiving, would you, where would you put that reject, receive or redeem in that rubric for this from the culture to the, to the, to the believer? I think in some context depends on where you live. I think as a whole, I mean, we've either completely embraced it as just a holiday. Um, I, I, I do not feel typically that a lot of people are looking at it as redeeming the way we engage with it. I think we normally just embrace it. I think it's, I think it's an embrace and redeem. Um, Not that anything that I think uh, Matthew, you brought up different context, cultural context, even within the United States. And I mean, you're serving in a much different cultural context now than you were before. Um, but in the mountains, especially, it's not that anything we do is bad in the sense that we need to redeem some evil behavior or habits that we have, but uh, maybe just missing the opportunity to be very intentional about gospel conversations and things of that nature um, within our within our sort of Thanksgiving schedule, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I'd say both and. Yeah, I think there probably is a little bit room for redemption there, but much of it we can take on its own, particularly the aspects of having and developing thankfulness. I think it was C.S. Lewis who once said that uh, Thanksgiving is the language of heaven, and so that is should be a natural, regular part of a believer's language and speech. So, oh, it looks like Neil's able to join us. Thanks for coming in there, Neil. Uh, we hey, were... glad to get through the digital divide. Yeah. I'm thankful. <laughs> In fact, I'm glad you're wearing a hoodie today that uh, we weren't sure if you were shopping for some new uh, Halloween costumes since everything's 50 percent off now. So anyway, this is not a loincloth episode. Okay? <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but, you know, 
Uh, Neil, we were just talking about the rubric for whenever we have something in culture like Thanksgiving or Halloween, we can either reject, redeem, or just receive it as it is. Uh, where would you place Thanksgiving on that rubric of reject, redeem, or receive for, for God's people? Well, I, I've got to jump in and agree with the, the receive and and redeem, because again, we, we point people to what what at the deepest level we can be thankful for, and that's redemption in Christ. And so yeah, so I, I think our Thanksgiving is deeper, um, and I think our Thanksgiving can be um, more directed at the one to whom we're thankful to, which is kind of an ironic thing of the broader culture, um, who maybe is is maybe more atheistic. How do you have a Thanksgiving when you don't believe there's anyone beyond yourselves to be thankful towards? And so in some sense, yeah, I, I think we have a, a better understanding and a basis to be thankful because we have one towards whom we can point our thanks. You know, you saying that brought up a thought. Um, today, I was uh, had the joy of having a impromptu kind of lunch. The association put together where we were able to ask Dr. Al Moeller questions at lunchtime today, and uh, one person asked a question, uh, and it was around evangelism. And Moeller talked about, uh, do you guys remember evangelism explosion from years ago and Coral Ridge and all that? And he said he was, grew up right down the road from that church, uh, Dr. James D. Kennedy. And uh, the, the most, you know, that lead in for that form of evangelism was if you were to die right now and stand in at heaven uh, why, and God asked you, why should I let you be saved? What, what would uh, your answer be? And he said, most people, that's not, he said, that's not an effective question now, you know, and you got to ask the question of uh, what are you living for? And that kind of goes with what Neil's saying there to the atheist. What are you thankful for? What are you living for? Right. And so I think it's a, it's definitely something to talk about here because uh, it's a, it's a critical point for evangelism. All right. Let's talk about what this kind of looks like and, and developing sort of an understanding of why we are a thankful people. Where should we be looking in scriptures to kind of develop a theology of thankfulness for a believer? I think Psalm sixty nine thirty is a great, great starting point. I will praise the name of the Lord with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Our eyes look into the hills. Our eyes look into the Lord. And we give thanks because he alone is, is worthy. He's the one who's created all things and given us all things. Yeah, you know, the Psalms in general, I think, are very are very helpful. We'll, I think we'll be getting to it in a few moments, um, more of the theology behind giving thanks. But in the Psalms, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity to learn what it means to be thankful, not just in the good times, but in the bad times as well. So um, I think the Psalms are a great place to begin when starting to understand and appreciate the need and the privilege that it is to give thanks. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. This, when we read these Psalms, they, they are just, you see it over and over again. I will praise the name of the Lord. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Um, these are just echoed throughout the Psalms. And, and I don't think it's just the Psalms either, brothers. We see the New Testament overlaid with language of thanksgiving as well. Yeah, I, I was thinking of, of Colossians 2, 6, and 7, which is really at the heart of Paul's um, encouragement to the Colossians, where it tells them, therefore, as receive Christ Jesus as Lord or the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. And, and, and so that's, that's central to who we are as followers of Jesus that we're thankful. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Romans 1, 21 through 23. 
Um, Paul's theology very clearly built on that. Uh, in there, we see that people know God, but don't honor him or give thanks to them. So kind of the opposite of having a heart filled with gratitude and grace is described there. It says there, and it's part of that kind of Roman spiral. If you're familiar with MacArthur's language, as he describes it, they knew God, they did not honor him as God. So the reality is, if you're not giving thanks, uh, it is a mark or an indicator that you don't know the one true and living God, if that's not a regular part of your life uh, in that context. Uh, any other any other passages for the New Testament that we see Thanksgiving echoed? The author of Hebrews, Hebrews thirteen fifteen. It's um, it's it's really more of a command, I would say. Um, yeah, Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge His name. Second Corinthians four fifteen. As grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Um, yeah, we see God's grace. Every time we see those extensions, it should develop and increase thanksgiving in the lips and the hearts of God's people. All right. I think that's a pretty good basic kind of five-minute theology there of of thanksgiving anything else you brothers would add on that and why we should be a thankful people well i would just i mean i would just highlight that you know i think it's important uh, of course at all times to give thanks but it's kind of like several holidays um it provides an opportunity to sort of get us refocused and um and and reoriented in our walk with christ but I would just say um, even be thankful for the hardships as well, because, you know, sometimes the hardships are where we are most reminded that God is not only the one that redeems us, but he's the one that sustains us. He's the one that cares for us. Um, and so even, even in the hardships, I think it's important for us to say, Hey, it's not just, it's not, it's just these good things. It's not just a big family or maybe a small family. Maybe you're thankful for a small family or, you know, these get-togethers or these things that I have, but um, even the trials that I have and that I am enduring, I'm, I'm thankful for those um, because I see that God is using those for my good and his glory. Yeah, and that's, I mean, First Thessalonians uh, 5, you know, be, give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, Corey Tenboom tells the story in her book about when they were brought to one of their concentration camps and they entered in and, and the the room was just infested with lice where they were living in. And Corey and her sister disciplined themselves to give thanks to God in all circumstances. And even were thanking God for the lice. It's something they obviously worked towards in their prayer and devotion to Jesus. And, and what she found was, was due to the lice, the, the guards in the camp didn't want to be in, in that particular building. And so it allowed them to hold Bible studies and, and teach people the word because they were able to do so outside of the eyes of the guards. And so, so again, they they found they they worked at the discipline of being thanks thankful in all things, and in it saw God's hand. So so I, yeah, I think you're right. We, it it does help us reorient and remember that we're supposed to be thankful for all things. And that is that is so hard, you know, to think about giving thanks for lice or giving thanks for things that just generally make life more difficult. 
we're it's so easy for me and i think for many of us to just quickly run to the things we don't like and grumble and complain but it is really i mean what you just described there with Corey Tim Boom, that is a discipline in your life. Like you have to discipline your heart and mind to come to a place where you can thank God for lice, you know? Yeah. Um, no, another really good example of that. Um, I don't remember if you were there, Travis, um, Matthew, I know you were there because I was there with you part of the time, but the SBC annual meeting that was in Birmingham at the, I believe it was a pastor's conference, but Andrew Brunson spoke at that pastor's conference. He was the American pastor that was imprisoned somewhere, Turkey, maybe, was it Turkey? Um, but he talked about being in prison, and he was able to get a copy of God's Word, but, you know, he shared his testimony, just how difficult that was, but one of the things that really struck me is he said he started every day, he, he created this habit of where he would just, he would just dance before the Lord in his jail cell, and I mean, this dude had absolutely nothing to be thankful for. Neil, he was probably in a loincloth, so that probably strikes a chord in your heart. Funny your mind went there. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, talking about being thankful in all circumstances, man, if you, can, if you can find it in your heart. And he acknowledged, man, there was days when it was really difficult to dance before the Lord. But uh, if you can find it in your heart to dance and some cold, dark jail cell in Turkey uh, before the Lord, not knowing when or if you're ever going to get out of that jail cell. Um, that is that is the um, the perfect example of being thankful in all things. Couldn't agree more. Brothers, let me ask you this. I know we didn't really discuss this one beforehand, but I uh, I think it would be helpful, particularly for our pastors and, and that may be listening. What are some ways that we can model the discipline of Thanksgiving as pastors in our churches? For us, we we're we're celebrating the Lord's Supper the Sunday actually after Thanksgiving, um, but that's that's going to be sort of how we uh, refocus and orient ourselves to giving thanks, um, focusing on the thing that we should be ultimately <laughs> thankful for, thankful above all other things. And so, uh, for us, we're we're using communion as a tool to drive people towards Thanksgiving. And I think in general, um, remembering that even the challenges we face, again, are challenges we face as a church in, in view of a sovereign God whose, whose mission we are a part of. And so its success or failure ultimately doesn't depend on us. And in some sense, the challenges we face as his people are, are opportunities for us to see him work for his glory and for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in one sense, in a more general way, I think we can continue to keep a positive attitude as we face challenges and difficulties, as we know we all do. In church settings, and and this is a tough season because, you know, I mean, something else we could talk about is realistically holidays um, for those who are grieving are always opportunities they have to remember loss right now. So, so I think one way we can we can model Thanksgiving is is just by pointing people to the grace of God and the fact that even in our difficulties, there's those opportunities to see Him work because it's so easy to take the negative torn, uh, tone just towards people in the church you may not agree with or challenges you're facing, and and realistically even the challenges are opportunities for God to work and, and are here because he is, he has brought you us as a church together to that point. So, so I, I think that's one way is we can point our eyes to the power and work of God, even in our hard circumstances versus focusing on negativity. Uh, recently was at a conference, the TBC and guys shared a point that I really liked for uh, how to show and model Thanksgiving he said, anytime you are with your members of your church, uh, 
and you're praying with them, always thank God for them in your prayer. And where did he get that kind of a concept? Well, if you read the New Testament, you find with the exception of Galatians, Paul gives thanks for every church that he writes to, right? Uh, So I thought that was a very simple kind of daily, weekly thing that you can do as a pastor for your people. So, But I think it's... It's interesting when you're around people that have thankful hearts, just how they speak and think. I'll never forget this. Not long after I moved here, my pastor and them had moved into their house that they'd had built and still had some lawn work needing to be done. And whenever they're just his, his wife and kids are out of town, my wife and kids are out of town. So I went there to take him some brisket that I'd smoked that day. I took him some food for him to eat for the weekend. And he was working out in his yard and I mean, in Appalachia, you know, yard work is only done a few months a year and it really doesn't get too hot when you're doing it. But in Alabama, it's a different story. It's miserably hot. And I get out there to help him do his yard work and put some, just clear out the grass where he's planting some flower beds in front of his house and has to move grass and all these things. And literally I'm pouring down sweat, not getting frustrated. But just that, let's just get the job done. I'm ready to get this done kind of stuff because he was struggling, working. And literally the whole time, every, like, three minutes, just thank God. Thank God for this. Thank God that he's given me this wheelbarrow. Thank God that he's given, that you're here helping. And it was just constantly, like, it was almost like he was worshiping God doing yard work, pouring down sweat in miserable conditions, removing grass and mud and all this stuff. And his heart was thankful in that moment. And I just think being around people like that causes us to think, you know, how often have us sat there cutting grass or trimming hedges or doing any type of yard work have been thankful to God for it? I can't recall one. In, I can't recall one time I've ever thanked the Lord. We don't. I mean, we, 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 I, we yeah. we're like, <laughs> just thanks get for making done. us all feel terrible, Matthew. That was what? <laughs> just kidding. It's true. This though. is an but, episode on you know, Thanksgiving. This is a guilt episode is what this has turned into. <laughs> but but sitting there. Indulgences watching, will be collected you know. afterwards. <laughs> that was last week. Um, but in thinking through, you know, having a thankful heart and exemplifying that. I mean, Travis, you talked about when you're with members, praying for your members. God, I thank you for this friendship. I thank you for this time of fellowship. I thank you for their heart to serve. I thank you for their whatever. But how often do we exemplify a heart of thankfulness when we're doing stuff no one else wants to do? and the challenge is issued all right this is a good point to turn since you did uh, bring this up about doing things that nobody else wants to do is thanksgiving a time to be missional and if so how can we be missional and on mission for jesus during this thanksgiving season friendsgiving (laughs) i'm sorry what friendsgiving splain travis come on come on i know i know you're an elder you're not millennial i don't know what generation you are (laughs) um but neil Neil and i we're we're on the line we're either millennials or young gen xers what are we neil it's whatever whatever we feel like being at the moment that's the dang truth right there it's fluid so you're gen z i knew (laughs) that But the, the reality is, so Friendsgiving is the concept of normally when we think of Thanksgiving, we think of the mealtime, who are we normally with? Our family. 
We're only with, with those closest to us in our friend, family. However, there's become a trend because of the show Friends called Friendsgiving, where friends, very close friends, get together and share a Thanksgiving meal together and show their thankfulness for each other and their relationships and friendships. So, so I think, uh, go ahead. Yeah, our small groups, our small groups do Friendsgiving with their small group and invite their close friends to come to a big Friendsgiving. And so it is used as an outreach tool for individual small groups that way. But you can also just deliver turkeys to old ladies. I disagree. Do you have something against turkeys or ladies? Depends on how you process this turkey. (laughs) Is this podcast going to officially endorse a turkey preparation method for this Thanksgiving season? I think what needs Uh, to happen is I think Brent needs to make a video showing how he preps his turkey. Okay. And somehow we pull the audio from that and link it into the next podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> just, just the <laughs> Travis, Travis is working on the stuffing up there. <laughs> I uh, personally, I advocate for deep fried jerky because I'm a Baptist through and through. So, you know, put that sucker in there completely immersed three and a half minutes a pound best turkey you'll ever have so i'm i'm advocating for the smoked turkey method if there's a way for y'all to bring either one of those options to me i'd be more than willing to uh, accept and and taste test them the last few years at the uh, nelson household we've been practicing the um, oilless fryer method it's it's i would almost call it a rotisserie blasphemy is it any good actually i've been curious about it you know they're, they're really not bad they're not as good as a, a fried turkey in my humble opinion but um but i Nothing again is. i would compare it to a, a rotisserie turkey i mean what what you'd get with the rotisserie and the nice part is you can you can both treat the outside because you're not washing it off in oil but you also can inject on the inside and, and pack some flavor in so they're they are very good i think they're better than the oven i don't think they're as good as a real fryer so what you're saying is you take the turkey you put all the stuff on it, and you drop it into the big bucket with no grease in it. No grease. Well, well, no, what it is, there's, they, they make an oilless fryer, and again, it, it's basically a metal pot, that, and there's a fire ring at the bottom that heats the metal pot and shoots heat at the turkey. It's, it's, it's a wonderful method of, of cooking a turkey. There's a ring of fire in it? Mm-hmm. And the turkey falls in down, to a down, burning ring Down in that burning ring of fire. All right, we're off the rails. Back to being missional. <laughs> Clearly, I think we all agree deep fried is the best. But moving on, yeah, and, and along those lines of Michigan, I, I don't know how you edit these things. So I don't know if this goes back to Matt's earlier comment about friends giving, which I didn't know was a term, but I guess I we, we do process. But we're too um, old, Neil. We're too old, but but it's it's a great chance too to look for neighbors, um, it, just people around you who maybe who, who don't have family nearby. So it's a chance to be missional in in your community and, and find people near you who maybe you can just even check in on and say, do you have plans for Thanksgiving? So in addition to some of your close friends and family, I think there's probably people around you you know who who maybe you suspect won't be as close to family, um, whether it's you know because of of moving for work or or whatever it might be that we could invite and incorporate in as well. Yeah, there's a there's a church here in town. I think they actually prepare a meal and invite the community in to come and eat on Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I've thought about that a lot, but I personally would probably advocate more for opening up homes. I think there's something about this holiday that 
it works better in people's homes. You know what I mean? Right. But anyway, the gospel comes with a house key. Ooh, and listen to that. I did think, that or did you just say that? Anyways, I think what, <laughs> as he pulls it up to the screen, but the reality is so often our churches are consumed with the building and the church is not the building. And I think you'd be way more effective having people come into your home that you know, that are neighbors, that are friends, that are coworkers and saying, Hey, our church is having this potluck down at the, down in the fellowship hall. We'd love to have you. Like it's just something not hospitable or really opening over that. You've not seen our fellowship hall. Are chestnuts roasting on an open fire in your fellowship hall? I think not. I have never seen chestnuts roasting anywhere. Like, I, you know, you hear that. I don't know who wrote that years ago, but it's like, it's got to be a hundred plus years old. You know what I mean? Like, what is, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. You haven't seen my fireplace. Do you have those? Once. The fireplace or the chestnuts? Both. I don't know. We have no uh, need. Again, the fireplace or the chestnuts? I don't even know if I have need for a heater. I have no clue. We, we haven't not turned where, the heater not on where you live. Do you even on. have heaters in Mobile? I mean, do they even build them there? Are they? So I, I think our heaters, the, the heating systems that we have are through our like AC unit. <laughs> there you go. So you just turn it to a higher level of cold. Anyway, uh, all right. What about, what are you guys feelings on just like adopting families and dropping dinners off? Do you think that that's a, a good missional approach? Why or why not? So hmm, hmm, how do I say this PR? I don't think it's the, the wisest. I, I think the, the, the question we have to ask is what is the heart behind it? Is the heart behind it because we need to do something? Is the heart behind it because you genuinely care? Is the heart behind it because we've always done this? What is the heart between fixing a plate and taking it? Um, now I'll say this with COVID that there are cases where there might be people that aren't willing to come to your home. So you want to be generous and hospitable to them and you're going to fix plates like here, we'll fix a plate and bring it to you. But the idea of just fixing 200 plates, a hundred plates and taking them off to all these people. I, I don't see the, I just don't see it. We, we used to do that where I used to be and there was no missional aspect of it. You know, going back to what you were saying about inviting into a fellowship hall and those church Thanksgiving dinners, do you think there's a generational aspect and appeal in there to maybe some older generations that's not there for younger generations? Or do you just overall think it's a bad idea? There could be a generational element. I mean, for me, I'm not one that wants to go to a cafeteria restaurant to eat, but you tell the senior adult group we're going to like J&K or some other little cafeteria store. Golden Corral. And they're like, oh, the chocolate fountain and like they line up and they're ready to roll um so there could be i mean i there is a shift of culture i mean if you look at the styles of restaurants that people want to eat at um so for an older congregation older people it might be more entertaining for them to go to the fellowship hall but i think for a a younger generation they're uh no bueno i agree with that on on the delivering meals to families Matthew, I think you're right with the heart behind it. Um, So here at Locus, there's a group that does that at Christmas. It's actually just a group of families that sort of do that on their own, and then the church ended up coming alongside them to support them in that. But it's kind of like it's kind of like a food pantry or any other ministry. It's it can just be a thing where you're just handing out food, 
but there's a lot of ministries, not ministries, there's a lot of resources and nonprofit organizations that are not faith-based that give away free meals. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what you're supposed to do that time of year. I think the church needs to ask themselves if they're doing that, if they're giving away free meals, what else are you also trying to give away? You know, mm-hmm. are you are you making sure that you're giving them the gospel? Um it shouldn't be like a lot of times we just use the excuse, right? Like they, well, they, we're just showing them the gospel. We're just showing them the gospel. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So are Francis you actually would not say that? True. True. Who, who would not say that? Francis. Allegedly. Oh, allegedly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we, I think you just need to ask, yourself are we using it are we using it as an opportunity to be intentional about sharing the gospel are we doing more than just taking this family a thanksgiving meal you can feed them for a day with the meal but you can feed them for eternity with the bread of life can i get an amen (laughs) well i think too it may not all be generational and appeal you know i've heard objections from having meetings in people's homes and not wanting to have people over and use them missionally because well quite frankly maybe they're not the best housekeeper and they're embarrassed you know i I don't know if you brothers have heard rejections like that and so it's easier in their minds to invite them over to the church the reality is this you don't have to have the best house or the cleanest house you just have a heart willing to serve i mean that's the reality of it people would much rather you be hospitable to them and just be willing to love on them and care for them than sit there and go, oh, this doesn't look like a Southern Living magazine. Yeah, but cat hair and the yams can be a bit of a yeah. roadblock to a gospel conversation. It's going to be a roadblock for, for me, boys. Maybe for Travis. <laughs> a big hairy you know, roadblock. As, as long as we've been on and off the rails all day, I've got to tell you a story. We had a couple over, um, and we were doing premarital counseling. <laughs> and we had them over, and we were going to have tacos for dinner. And we prayed, and right at the end of the prayer, our now 12 year old daughter sneezed right into the taco no. meat that we no. <laughs> were supposed to eat. So, what did you do? I don't know if it's an argument. We, we ate it. <laughs> did the couple eat it? Oh, they ate it. There was thankfully, there was a little bit of chicken in addition to the, the brown taco oh, meat we had, God. but uh, but it may not have been cat hair in the yams. I'd say it was worse. Um, and cat here in the yams, but but you know these things happen. That's being real, right? Influenza tacos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I, I don't remember. Food, you know, Rosaria Butterfield talking about cat hair in the yams. Did she talk about twelve-year-old sneezing in the tacos? Though that's what <laughs> yes. she she did say. If you come to her house, you may end up folding laundry, helping a kid with homework, or 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 doing some of the other chores. And and she argued again that that was that was a part of being hospitable was saying you're going to come into our lives as is, not mm-hmm. as we'd like you to think it is. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. I wish we could get her as a interview on here, but I know she's probably booked out for months and months. So I'll message her. She is it. awesome. Oh yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Have y'all have y'all read that book by the way? The gospel comes with a house key. Negative ghost writer, I have not. Our small group leaders are reading it right now. It's, it's really good. I, I've, I've tried to take some of the principles and em, emulate them, imitate them, whatever, emulate them into student ministry. Yeah, I'm getting there, Brent. Um, it's been a long day. 
All right, we're going to – oh, sorry to cut you off there, Matthew. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm cut. We're going to land the plane here, boys. Any closing thoughts on this episode here on Thanksgiving? Let the record reflect that uh, we may have discovered the origins of COVID, the taco meat at Neil's house. <laughs> awesome. Spectacular. <laughs> You know what I would have done just just after it was over? Spectacular, daughter. Spectacular. Thank you. Your congressman is trying to investigate that, Brent. He he brought a motion to the floor. But the reality is this. Go ahead. It sounds like we need to lay off China and start focusing on the The uh, Toma virus or the Nelson virus. The the reality is this. When we think of Thanksgiving, thankfulness, we need to understand, one, who, who is it that has given us everything and which we need to be thankful for? But also would strongly encourage us to think no matter what God has given us, he's given us what he's given us for a reason and for a purpose. So how can we leverage those things for the advancement of the kingdom? And at Thanksgiving season, think of those around you that are in your spheres of influence who you can invite over for Friendsgiving. Sounds like a good closing thought to go out on, and we're going to land the plane there. Brothers, thank you for being with me today, and join us next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.